You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. Your Bible to the 16th chapter of the book of Exodus. I, um, I want to take just a few moments this evening before I ask you to stand with me and, and to uh, follow along in your Bible as I read this passage of Scripture, which is our text, to remind you that in our study of the book of Exodus, which we began this last fall, actually, uh, the Lord has taken us upon an unusual pilgrimage and one which has been very, very revealing. I have a hard time reading any portion of this book without sensing that the Holy Spirit is exposing me for who I am and requiring that I do business with God on some key issues. And that's going to be true this evening. And those of you who have been faithfully uh, on this journey for the past several months know that on Wednesday evenings, uh, the uh, routine is that we go back into the passage of Scripture, which served as the text for Sunday's messages, and we look at those little nuggets uh, which the Lord would provide for us. You know, they weren't the subject of the message for Sunday, and they, they didn't uh, perhaps appear any place along in any kind of an outline. But perhaps you thought of it, or perhaps the Holy Spirit reminded you of it uh, as we were reading the Scripture text together. And so on Wednesday night, we're simply trying to take those like a... I like to think of an orange or of a grapefruit and just uh, uh, take the passage once again and peel it back a little bit and see the various segments and divide those up into little bite-sized pieces and see if there's something else from the chapter, from the text of the previous week, that we can digest that will be spiritual nourishment for us. And so that's what we, of course, are going to do this evening. And the subject this evening, if you want to write it down someplace, is very simple. The title of this message, this Bible study, is The Things That Test Us. The Things That Test Us. And I'm going to ask you, if you will, please, to stand with me. And uh, I'm going to begin reading with verse 1 of Exodus chapter 16. This, again, is that chapter where we read about this incredible provision of God, manna. Heaven's food, angels' food, the uh, nourishment that God provided for the children of Israel for the 40 years that they were wandering there in the wilderness. He gave them specific instructions. We looked at that this past Sunday about how they were to gather it and how much they were to gather and how often they were to gather. And uh, any violation of those instructions, we discovered, met with uh, a very sudden reprimand and so now this evening, I want you to think with me about this subject, the things that test us. Notice verse 1, they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came under the wilderness of Sin. actually. This is not the word sin. This word here means thorns. And the word wilderness, of course, means a wide open place. Generally, it has a sense of, of there being some clay in it, as a matter of fact. Very hard ground covered with thorns. Travel is difficult, okay? And that's why we look Sunday morning at this whole issue of the wilderness and asking the question, are you living in a wilderness? And so they came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam, that's where they found the 12 wells of sweet water, one well for every tribe, and Sinai, which would be where the law was given, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. 
And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Don't let the leadership truth be lost on you there. When things went wrong, what did the children of Israel do? They came to Moses. And when the children of Israel went wrong, what did God do? He came to Moses. So Moses is in the hot seat here. If you're aspiring to be a leader, there are some responsibilities, of course, that you must be willing to assume. And that's why leadership is something that you ought not to necessarily aspire toward. You ought instead to let it find you rather than you looking for it. and Let God find you and give you a position of influence if that's his desire. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we ate bread to the full, for you brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And of course, that's the theme song of the United States today. We are willing to sacrifice very valuable freedoms as long as we can have what we want. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. In other words, they could only gather what they could eat every day. In fact, he specifies later the measure that I may prove them. Now notice this. He said, this is a test. Manna is a test. Remember over in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he said, here's my synopsis of these 40 years. All this way I've led you. Why? So that you might learn one lesson and you're constantly being tested on it. What is the one lesson? That man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So it's not just getting manna, it is following instructions. And so he says, I'm giving them this that I may test them, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. And so then he gives the instructions about how it is to be gathered. The things that test us. Father, I pray the scripture will come alive to us in these next few moments. And I pray, Heavenly Father, not one of us will leave this room without having somehow in our lives, not just comprehended the truth here, but apprehended the truth so that our lives will be changed by what we hear. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Now, you're going to need your Bible open, so keep it open to the 16th chapter of the book of Exodus. The things that test us. I have talked with any number of people, uh, especially in the past uh, several months, who have said, boy, the Lord is really testing us. Or someone might say, the Lord is really testing me. I've had more than one man or woman say that. And then I would say, well, what, what are the tests? Of course, some people say, well, testing us by taking away our house and by taking away belongings and by taking away our neighbor's houses and, and or by uh, taking seemingly some loved one, which uh, meant so much to me, and that person is now gone taking away my friends, my neighborhood. Maybe I've had more than one person say, you know, the thing that, uh, that uh, really uh, makes me cherish my church is that apart from the church, I have lost my sense of community because my community is not there anymore. These people who live in these homes, they're, they're someplace else. We, and sometimes they say, we have no idea where they are. These people, well, we knew when they came and when they went. We watched their children grow up, and, and uh, we knew, you know, when things were going well and when things were not going well. But now we don't have any idea where they are. Or if we do, we, we don't know what it looks like. My, 
My mother used to say, I, I want to come visit. She would want to come visit the kids because she'd want to see how we were set up. And I knew what she meant. She said, I want to see how you're living and where you're living and what it looks like so that when I pray, I have an idea of what it's like. And so now many of you have friends, you know, that, and family members, and you're, you're not really sure in your mind when you pray what, what it's like for them, where, where they are and uh, what they're doing. And so this is a test for you. And it's probably not the first test that you've been through. Maybe you were untouched in one sense, uh, physically anyway, by the tornado. Maybe you've, been, maybe you've been tested in other ways. And testing is not something that a believer is going to escape. There is a, a poem which... Um, I quote many times when I go around and, and speak uh, on the subject of prayer in churches. I did last night in a church down in Texas, and I quoted this poem because I love it. The, the author said, when God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, when God wants to uh, uh, enable a man to play the noblest part, and when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world will be amazed. Watch his methods, watch his ways, how he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects, how he hammers him and hurts him and with mighty blows converts him in the trial shapes of clay which only God understands and his tortured heart's crying and he, and he lifts beseeching hands, how he bends but never breaks whom his good he undertakes, how he uses whom he chooses and with, with every purpose fuses him and by every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. And a part of what God is about in your life and my life is this whole issue of testing. Now, not tempting in the sense that God is attempting you, uh, attempting to get you to do something evil. The Bible says, let no man say when he is tempted, that is, to do something evil, that God did this, that I am tempted of God. That's what it says in the book of James. So the issue is not to entice you to do something Evil, as a matter of fact, part of the model prayer is lead us not into temptation. But the issue here is testing as a means of revealing to us what's in our heart. The law is a test, right? The Bible says God gave us the law. He drops it down beside our life like a plumb line, like a straight edge, so that we can see just how crooked we are how rebellious we are. The law is a test. It reveals what's in our heart. And so the Lord brought the children of Israel to this point, and they were crying out for food. Later on, they're going to cry out for water. We're going to see that Sunday. And, and the, the Lord decided that, uh, you know, he didn't just make up his mind. I mean, God is all knowledge. The Lord determined that he was going to provide for them. But there was a way in which he was going to provide for them that would test them. Whether, he says, they will walk in my laws or not. And of course, that means whether they will live the life of faith, do what I say. Now, without uh, elaborating any longer on that, let me mention at least three categories of things that test us. And you see them all right here in the Scripture. First of all, I believe that you and I are often tested by what I want to call barrenness. Barrenness. Pictured by this vast wasteland, this, this wilderness, um, and the lack of food. 
barrenness. And some of you know exactly what it is, to, you know, to go without. That's one, one sense of barrenness. But, but there's another sense in which uh, we're tested by barrenness, and that is when we, when we work, and we seem to be working very efficiently and very diligently. We're applying every skill that we know to our responsibility, but it's producing very little or producing nothing. Well, that is a real test, you know, to, 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 to just go on, as someone said, just keep on keeping on, when it just doesn't seem like anything is coming out of that. Some of you know that I, I love to read uh, biographies. And I read one time about a mission station in India. It was called, by the way, the Lone Star Mission uh, because on this, this mission organization's map, um, they had only one mission in India, and they had a star there, and so they just started calling it the Lone Star of India. Now, they had other mission stations in other countries, but that was the Lone Star of India. And the missionaries were there for 15 years, no converts. And they were doing everything they knew. They, I mean, they, they tried everything they could try to produce. I mean, they wanted to produce. And so some of the... Uh, some of the leaders of this mission went to India and uh, met with the missionaries, and they were really determined that they were going to close the mission down. One of the men, by the way, was William Smith, who, who wrote the words to America the Beautiful. And, uh, and so they were, going to, they were going to close the mission down. And he, that is Smith, stood up, and he, and he after praying about this, he, he just said, no, this can't happen. And, you know, being sort of a poet, he, he made up a little poem and went, some, on, went something like this. Sail on, lone star, amid sad, uh, uh, missed hopes and fears and sad reversals, oft baptized. Sail on amidst thou founder's fears. Lone stars in heaven are not despised. And he gave them this fire speech. He said, man, you guys stay with it. We're going to pray for you. You guys pray. They came back 10 years or 15 years later, and there were over 10,000 converts in that area. But, but some of you know what it would be like before that. I mean, you're working and you're working and you're trying everything you can at home. It doesn't seem to be producing anything. You're, you're doing your dead-level best at work. It doesn't seem to be producing anything. In your Sunday school class, I mean, you're making your calls and you're, you're talking to people and you're, you're preparing your heart, but it doesn't seem to be prospering. And let me just tell you something. Many times in your life and in my life, we are going to be tested by barrenness. Well, how are you doing with that, if that's true in your life? Nothing's happened. No, nothing's cooking. You, you don't have anything good to report. People ask you, how are you doing? And you say, well, you know, okay, or it could be better, or, you know, you maybe just smile and say, great, and in your heart you're saying, that's what I was saying to them 20 years ago, and that's not happening. You know, the test of barrenness. So the question is, is how, are you, how are you doing with that? If that's, if that's the case in your life, if you're just, you feel like you know, you're just, just working your dead level best and you're praying all the prayers you know to pray and you're doing all the things you know how to do, and you, yes, you have read the books about the fullness of the Holy Spirit and you've sought to be surrendered, and yes, you've confessed up all your sins, you have done everything that you know to do to overcome this barrenness. You've sought revival. You've prayed for revival. You listen to the right tapes. You go to the right seminars. You listen to all the right... You, you do all the things. I mean, in, periodically, you know, you just, you just know, well, the problem is me. But, but you're still 
you know, barren. That's a test. Boy, that is a real test. So does that mean you're going to let go? Does that mean you're going to give up? I mean, the children of Israel, they didn't do too good on this test. I mean, the minute they came to this moment, they said, hey, we'd, we'd rather, you know, be enslaved and happy than out here walking as free men and women and struggling a little bit, barren. How are you doing with the test of barrenness, if that's in your life, okay? Category one, barrenness. Category two, the test of bounty. Notice what the Lord says here. He says, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. He says, I'm doing this to test you, to see if, if you really know what it's like to live by faith. That is to just obey my word. Take me at my word. By the way, they didn't really do so hot at this either. In the first place, he said, when you gather, don't gather more than you're going to use that day and don't keep it during the night. But there, you know what happened? They did. They, they, you know, and it got warmy and it began to stink. And, you know, and pretty soon it made, you know, made the camp a pretty miserable place. And then later on, he said, by the way, gather twice. You can do that one day. You can do that on the sixth day of the week because I don't want you out there gathering on the seventh day because uh, that's the Sabbath. This is a part of taking me at my word. And, and, and what do we read? We read that, sure enough, on the Sabbath day, you know, Moses looks out and hear a bunch of guys out there prying around looking under bushes for manna. You know, they, they probably thought, you know, I ate mine, I ate my children's, and... I ate my wife's, got up early and ate everybody's manna. And uh, I was sure I could come out here and get some like we did on the other days. And, you know, they didn't do too good with that test. Blessing, the test of, of blessing. And by the way, I'm not so sure that the test of blessing is not a harder test than the test of barrenness. That is when things are going well. We're not doing too good as a nation right now with that. We never do. Israel didn't. I mean, nobody, you know, can handle blessing very well it just seems isn't that isn't that what history teaches us that we do very poorly at handling blessing i mean when things are going our way we have a tendency to forget god as a matter of fact in uh, moses last words to israel and then in joshua's last words to israel before he died later on there was a stern lecture you know, now that you're in this land, I mean, you didn't plant these vineyards, you didn't build these houses, you didn't build these cities, you didn't, you know, none of this, and you got it, now you have it. Beware lest you forget the God that brought you into Israel, you know. I mean, we just don't know how to handle blessing. And by the way, I'm not just speaking here about material blessing. We, you know, we don't know how to handle a blessing on our family. We start, we're taking our, you know, God blesses us, and then we start taking our family for granted. We don't know how to handle the blessing of a good job, you know. I mean, God makes it, we pray, God give us a good job, we get a good job, and then we start, you know, being more concerned about what we're making than what we can do. You know, how we can perform. We just don't know how to handle blessing. We don't know how to handle the blessing of, of popularity. By the way, in, in the book of Psalms, it says that a man's heart is tested, or in Proverbs, it says a man's heart is tested by the praise accorded him. You know, when things are going right, say, oh, man, you are great. You can't do wrong. This is wonderful. This is so great. Boy, you are, you are something else. The test of blessing. Now, you've been blessed. How, how are you doing with that test? I'll just be honest with you. Israel 
Israel didn't handle that. They never did. They, they, and you say, yeah, you know, those crazy people. No, let me tell you something. Their story is our story. Not just our story collectively. Their story is your story. So how are you handling the test of blessing? All this that God's given you. What's he given it to you? So you could be a steward. So you could be a steward of this. Stewardship means how are you going to handle what belongs to somebody else but has been entrusted to you? How are you going to handle all of this blessing that belongs to God? The earth is the Lord's, the fullness of thereof, uh, therein. The world are thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. It's all God's. How are you, how are you handling this stewardship? Test of blessing. But you know something? Uh, most of us are not caught up in the test of barrenness at any given moment. I mean, some are at any given moment, but not everybody generally. And, and most of us, I've discovered, definitely are not tested by the blessing of uh, bounty um, uh, at any given moment, no matter, you know, because by the time you get telling anybody how God's blessed you, there's somebody who says, well, I wish you'd blessed me like that, you know. So uh, most people, you know, are not being tested like that. Let, let me share with you what I believe is the biggest test. And that is the, the, the burden of daily living. The burden of daily living. I mean just getting up and walking with Jesus today. Getting up and being the man God wants you to be, the woman God wants you to be, the husband the wife, the father, the mother, the employee, the believer, the friend, the neighbor. God wants us to be just the burden of daily living. God said, let me put it to you this way. There's a drill that you're going to have to go through every day to keep from starving to death. and It's manna. And you're going to have to go out and get it. There's not going to be, we're not going to have down here on the corner a manna stand where one guy gets into the manna getting business and he goes out with shovels and gathers up manna and heaps it up onto this thing and comes through here yelling, manna, manna, who, who wants to buy manna? You know, or you trot down and say, honey, go down and get, you know, uh, two cups of manna and bring it back here. I'll borrow some manna from the neighbors. Uh, no, it's not going to be like that. He says, everybody's going to get involved in this business of getting manna here. Uh, for each household, there's some responsibilities each person gathers. You know, we saw how that was like your quiet time uh, last Sunday night. But it was what? It was, it was a daily deal. He said, go out, do it. This is the way it's to be done. This is how much. This is how often. This is when. This is when not. But, but this is going to be something that, that you're going to have to become friendly with because apart from that, the next 40 years is going to be really rugged. On you. I mean, you're really going to have a hard, hard time. In fact, uh, uh, your children are the ones who are going to have a hard time unless you teach them this daily drill, this manna drill, the burden of daily living. How are you doing with that? I mean, just in your conversation with other people, just, just in, with your attitude. What kind of a man or woman are you? In regard to the, just the day, when people rub up next to you, 
What, what comes out? Well, I'll tell you what comes out is what's ever in you. Put a little squeeze on you, and, and what comes out is what's in you. Well, what do they hear from you? You know? Um, do they hear from you that, that, that the Lord is Lord and He is King and, and that He is great and that God is supplying your needs? Or do they hear that you are just so focused in what's wrong in your life, what your problems are? Um, how, how are you doing with the burden of just getting through each day? Maybe I can explain it this way. I, I was reading a, a book one time, and the, uh, I don't know that the book was uh, entitled True Greatness, but the word great was in the title, and it was, uh, it was a, a, just sort of a biographical summary of uh, great men in history. And uh, the author, I don't think that, you know, sometimes you, people realize how just a single statement can impact a person's life. But in the foreword to this book, the author made a little statement. I, don't, I remember very little about the rest of the book, but I remember this statement. He said, uh, everyone aspires to be great. But how does one become great? Is it by doing a great thing? That's rarely the case. You will discover in the lives of these men that they practice the discipline of doing the everyday things of life in a great way. Now think about that just for a minute. Doing the everyday things of life in a great way. You know, cooking the meal, washing the dishes, fighting the traffic, going to work, mowing the lawn, doing the, the daily things of life in a great way with, with a sense of exhilaration and honor. Whatever, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it unto the Lord. Do it to His glory. Doing the, you know, balancing the checkbook, uh, um, serving in your church, showing concern for someone, going out visiting, dressing your kids, ironing those clothes, cleaning the house, working on the car, the everyday things of life. And so, and sure enough, you know, uh, these men who are great, yeah, they, there were moments where, uh, I mean, they led or they influenced or they made great decisions, but the reality was there were other people in this world who had moments of brilliance, but they were forgotten. What, what made these men great was not just what happened in that moment, it's what preceded it and what followed it. They had learned the discipline of doing just the everyday things of life in a great way. Uh, let me give you an illustration of that. Greg and Sarah, Greg, our son-in-law, Greg Mann, Sarah, our daughter, parents of two incredibly intelligent and beautiful grandchildren. And they may be children, I don't know, too, but they're, I know they're definitely grandchildren. Um, but they're, they're here, uh, they're actually staying in Greg's parents' house. And, and of course, uh, Joel Mann and Virginia, his wife, are members of our church here. Now, I'm going to say this because they're on vacation. By the way, it's the first vacation they've, they've really ever had in all their years of marriage. By the way, let me, let me just say something else, and, and this is why I'm using them as an illustration while they're gone. 
Greg and Sarah and uh, uh, John and Becky and Joel and Jenny, all the kids um, have sent Joel and Virginia on this vacation to Colorado. They're coming back tomorrow, by the way. Well, that's, you say, well, that's, that's really wonderful. Well, it is. It is it's probably a bigger deal than you think. Because you see, in that home, there's one other child. And that child is Rachel. And sometimes you see Rachel back here in uh, a wheelchair. And she's 17 years of age. And you might say something to her, but she doesn't respond because she can't respond. She can't talk. Probably has difficulty seeing. Doesn't hear very well. So well, that's difficult. Oh, well, more than that, she uh, can't bathe herself or take care of the things that, with her body that normally has to be fed everything and clothes changed and waked up, put to bed, and arms massaged. So, oh, that, that could get tough. This is the first time in 17 years of her life that her mother has been away from her as long as 24 hours. She's truly a great lady. Not because you're going to read about her in the newspaper someplace, but because she, she, she really passed the test of the burdens of daily living. She, I mean, she's, she's really doing the everyday things of life in a great way. And, and while she's doing that, while she's waking up this 17-year-old who, who, you know, you would aspire to be with the kids at Falls Creek or, or in school or on the cheerleading squad, and instead she's uh, uh, pouring, feeding, you know, stuff through a tube because she can't chew, you know, and she can't say thank you, and, and she can't let you know any of this stuff, and, and she's keeping her room bright and clean and airy and... Uh, and, you know, you say, well, she, no, no, this is not something that just came naturally to Virginia. This is something God has put in her heart, you see. The, the, the burden of, I'm talking about the burden of daily living. Now, while she's doing that, there are a lot, and, and you say, well, how are things going? Oh, they're going great. God's treating us so well. While she's doing that, the other people are not doing so well. Oh, how, how are you doing? Oh, it's just miserable, just same old, same old, just terrible. Well, well, explain to me about it. Well, you know, I've got a little headache. It's just awful. I want the world to know about it, though. Had a little car problem, you know. I just can't get over it. I mean, it's ruined my week. Got a little, little car problem. Oh, oh, Virginia would die for problems like that. I mean, those are a piece of cake. But see, while we don't pass that test very well, do we? She's doing pretty good. Now, she's probably got her own problems that I don't know about. I'm not going to ask you to come up here and tell us what they are, but I'm trying to make a point. Am I making it? Is it coming? The burden of just daily living. What's on your face? What's your countenance? What's your response? What's your visage? What's your faith confession when people get next to you? How are you doing? That test. Well... The test of barrenness, boy, that's tough. The test of bounty is, doesn't seem as tough, but it's harder. But then there's that stinking daily pop quiz. Man, every day. The, the test of the burdens of daily living. Now, those are the things that test us. And I just have to ask tonight, how are you doing so far? So far. 
How are you doing? Father, thank you for reminding us that life is filled with tests. You have grace for us for everything we face. Lord, thank you for letting us see ourselves in the mirror of Israel in the wilderness. And Lord, I pray that in these tests that we all must take, that we would fare well by your grace through your mercy. And I pray these things in the wonderful and marvelous name of Jesus. Now, our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Our praise singers are coming. We're going to stand in a few moments. They're going to sing a hymn of invitation. You know, I just believe there are people tonight who ought to come to this altar. There are counselors here. You may need to come to the prayer altar. You may need to say, Lord, in these tests uh, today, this week, this year, boy, I'm, I'm not doing too good. I, I'm afraid I haven't really really evidence that I've appropriated your grace in the test that have faced me. And so you may just want to come and kneel. Now, our prayer warriors will be coming. If you've made a decision in recent weeks and we haven't introduced you, I'm going to ask you to come. Always there are people who visit to whom the Lord is speaking about becoming a part of this church family. Would you do that tonight? I mean, on this Wednesday night, would you just come forward, find a counselor and say, look, I want to join. We want to join this church. Don't put it off. And I believe always there are people who are wrestling with this issue. Where will I spend my eternity? Have I really settled it? Do I know without question that I have God's wonderful, wonderful eternal life because I have repented of sin and trusted in Jesus? And maybe you can go back to where that was or maybe tonight you say, that's my problem. Preacher, I just don't, I don't think I've settled that. Well, I would urge you with this truth. Jesus has paid the wages of your sin and mine, all of our sin. The wages of sin is death. He died on the cross. He's been raised from the dead. He is alive today, and he promises that if you would trust him, turn from yourself and your sin and trust in him, he would give you eternal life, forgiveness of sin. And so I would urge you to come find a counselor tonight and say, look, that's what I want to do. I want to trust in Jesus as my Savior. So our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stand. Father in heaven, I pray, believing that tonight you will find at this altar those who will say, Lord, in this arena of testing, you found me out and I need your grace. I've not done well. Lord, bring us to the altar to confess it and then to appropriate your grace. But then, Lord, those to whom you're speaking about becoming a part of this church are, Lord, most importantly, those who would trust you tonight as Savior. Oh, God, I pray that you would find them here tonight saying, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to trust Jesus. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.